Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Toes on the Line. This is Gio Grassi, and I want to start this thing off by saying I want to send my condolences over to the Paul family. Marcus Paul, who is the head strength and conditioning coach with the Dallas Cowboys, recently passed away last week, day prior to Thanksgiving, and uh, I'd imagine it's extremely hard for a family to lose a member of your family right before a holiday, especially around this time of year when you got Thanksgiving you know, Christmas, New Year's, you know, this is the time when families really start getting together a lot more after a long, hardworking year. And I know 2020 has been a fuck year and, you know, everyone's been home for the majority of it. But still, to lose someone around the holidays, um, to lose anyone around any time of the year is terrible. But uh, Marcus Paul is a great man. Uh, he wore many hats. I worked for Marcus Paul when he was with the New York Giants in 2017. Um to me, he served as a great mentor, teacher, um, and life coach. He always taught me how to look out for myself first because at the end of the day, your job is how you pay your bills. And although we're in the industry of coaching and strength and conditioning is where we develop personal relationships with our athletes, he always taught me to hold everyone accountable. You know, it's okay to be friendly. It's okay to be, you know, somewhat buddy-buddy, but not too close or too tight because at the end of the day, if a guy doesn't do his job and you have to, you know, somewhat rat the guy out to the head coach, the head strength coach, the position coach, whatever the case is, and that player gets pissed at you, Marcus always told me, well, guess what, Gio? It's my job. This is how I pay my bills. But it, it was just very sad. It was a, it was a difficult time, um, difficult day last week, you know, close friend of mine broke the news to me and it was uh just sad for the strength world but um rest in paradise Marcus you uh you were a great man to many people so on today's episode I have Isaiah Covington on and Isaiah is a Delaware State guy just like myself um our, us MEAC guys you know we always find a way to move move on in life and find greater and bigger and better things man you, you just I don't know it, to me it's a lot of HBCU guys get out there man and we meet people we we do great things and we move on to these great ventures in life and Isaiah right now is the head strength and conditioning coach with the Santa Cruz Warriors and is also an assistant strength coach with the Golden State Warriors so once the G League season is completed he goes on and assists with the NBA season at Golden State over there in California and Isaiah is a Philly guy Big Eagle fan, and he has his bold prediction at the end of the episode about who wins the NFC East. I still think it's the Giants, but anyway, we're not going to talk about that right now because it's just, it's not looking good with a division playing with backup quarterbacks. And although Carson Wentz is a starter in Philly, he is not playing well behind a very poor offensive line. And, you know, most of it's due to COVID purposes. Guys holding out. Another thing is injuries and, and, and aging offensive line. So it kind of sucks there, but let's not talk about that. I want to talk about, you know, what events are going on in my life? Shoot, I don't know, man. People always ask me, Gio, talk about events going on in your life. I'll tell you what's going on in my life. My father-in-law broke his damn leg a couple weeks ago, actually fractured his leg. You know, same as Dak Prescott right down there by the ankle, which is typically where most people fracture. He's a referee for lacrosse leagues, and he was refing down in Trenton, New Jersey. And then I remember that morning it was it was somewhat wet. You know, the dew kind of settled in and the grass was still wet. The turfs were still wet. He said he went to change direction. Lost his footing and then bang, just, you know, lower leg just snapped in half, you know, got his surgery done. It was successful. So Steve Meyer, you get the shout out on this episode, man, and he's doing well. We're actually down there for uh, the, the Thanksgiving break this past couple days, my wife and myself. 
So I was helping him do some paper runs. You know, he actually, I, I might be saying this wrong, but I believe he started this company. It's called Shore Sports Network, and it got bought out, but he continues to work for the company where he covers all these high schools in the area, football, soccer, basketball, lacrosse, wrestling, baseball, softball. I might be missing some sports, but he covers them all, and he highlights it. And they write these papers on them and these cool-ass magazines, and I think it's awesome because the kids get exposure. The towns know what's going on with these powerhouse schools, and we know what's going on with the athletes in that area, who's the star players, who's the lookout players, you know, who's these, what do you call them, Swiss Army knife-type players. It's pretty dope, man, and I, and I love it because when I was in high school, I wish they did something like that for myself outside of the Jersey Journal in, in uh, Jersey City, but... Yeah, the players get a ton of exposure, and it's pretty cool, and I like it. So I was helping them do some paper runs, dropping them off at the Jersey Mike's around the area. Ain't nothing like a good Jersey Mike sandwich, man, I'll tell you that. Every now and then. Not often. Every now and then. So what else is going on? Oh, yeah, I watched the Mike Tyson fight on Saturday. Let me tell you something. I'm upset because I don't think that was a draw. I think Tyson won straight out. He landed better punches, landed more punches, got the best of Roy Jones, who did not look like he was in great shape to fight. Tyson looked like he was ready to go. But Roy Jones, I don't know if he's still smoking cigarettes because he used to rap about him back in the days, but I thought Tyson won. Now, if they would have fought in 1996, 97, 98, around that time when Tyson was at the end of his career and Roy Jones was somewhat kind of at the peak of his career, I think that would have been a way better fight. I don't think Tyson would have knocked him out. I don't think Jones would have put Tyson. I think that would have been a draw in, in the late 90s if they fought then. It would have been a greater fight because Roy Jones would have been faster, more agile, more himself. He was not himself this weekend. I'll tell you that much. He was not hands low, hands behind the back, boop, boop, bang, sneaking a nice little hook around, uh, dancing on the ropes. He wasn't himself. Tyson looked like he was somewhat of his former self, but not as vicious. Not as vicious. I think he could have put Roy Jones out, though, this past weekend. The two-minute rounds kind of pissed me off, uh, but I get it. I mean, the guys are in their 50s. What are you going to do? What do you want to see, a 50-year-old man beat the hell out of another 50-year-old man? <laughs> I mean, what the hell? But I did like how they both agreed to go with no headgear. Um, people complained about the rules and whatnot. Listen, it was, it was a good fight to watch, but I just, I just didn't like the, the result. Nate Robinson, you just confirmed that the that the the acronym NBA stands for never boxing again. So listen, cut. I like that he went in there because not a lot of people would have went in there and, and and fought on a national pay per view TV, whatever you call, and and get knocked out and come back on on Twitter at 3 a.m. and say just woke up, who won the fight? Now I would say it took him a long time to get on his feet because he was down for a minute, but. Nate Robinson said, listen, I give you props for getting in that ring. Because for everybody laughing at him, making memes about him, blah, 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 let me see you do it. Boxing. You know, not street fight, boxing. It's a hard sport. All right? And not every athlete can be a great boxer. I'll tell you that much. Boxing is a sport in itself where you would have to somewhat look at the game and say, listen, athleticism has nothing to do with it. You can, you can get in there with some heavy hands and put somebody down, down, you know? But you can get in with some fast hands and, and lightning strike. Beep, beep, beep. Somebody real quick and put them out. But, um, yeah. Good fight weekend. I'll tell you, that. I like some of the undercards. like some of the undercards. The first fight disappointed me a little bit. The guy looked, uh, what's his name? I forget the guy's name. From Uganda. He just looked scared coming out fighting this dude. But, anyway. 
Black Friday was a disaster. I went to Walmart to get some deals that I saw. And when I get there, I'm asking the lady, hey, is this not on sale? Did I miss the sale window? And she says, oh, no, all our sales are online only. And I said, wait, but you can't price match that in the store? And she kind of gave me an answer that, you know, she she seemed unsure. I didn't want to blame her because she's not the one putting the sale prices out there. She's just working and doing her job. Um, so I kind of, you know, said, oh, that's a bummer. Walked out with nothing in my hands. I was a little upset. I was a little upset, Walmart. You should have. Should have marketed more online only with the sales, man. Come on. And that shut me down. I didn't go to Target. I didn't go nowhere. And I'm trying not to shop on Amazon no more because it's, so much, it's so, such a mega giant. And my wife and I agreed, let's not shop Amazon no more. It's it's such a mega giant. It's, 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 it's a disaster what it's doing to the world, to the industry, and, and for people's jobs and their lives. And I don't shop Amazon, man. F that. And you know, I go straight to the source. You know, pay the extra two bucks, man. You're helping somebody with their health insurance and whatnot. And that, that's what it really is. That, that's what it is. Amazon's cheap, right? But you go to a store and spend the extra three, five bucks. Hey, listen, you're helping that employee keep their job, number one, keep their health benefits, number two, that they might be supporting other people in their family. But I'm not going to go on a rant, man. I'm going on a rant, <laughs> going on a rant right now. All right, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Let's get into this episode, all right? Isaiah Covington, we're going to talk about life in the G League, life in the NBA, Return to sport training from an offseason, from COVID, from whatever. Small-sided games for conditioning, for pre-game prep. And it's amazing how he talked about guys play these half-court 3v3, 4v4 games before a game just to prep up for the game. It's unbelievable. Buy-in at the NBA level. Play over turnover in the G League. It's just You have to listen to what he talks about in the G League and the system and how unbelievable it is and the respect you have to develop for the coaches in the G League. It's crazy. He stresses how he talks about developing great, habits at that level forget about the best exercise or the best program we have to stress developing great habits he also talks about work ethics from the top level nba players and he's you know with the warriors so we can already know who those top level players are and he also talks about the different types of training programs he utilizes and it's amazing to me that he utilizes various training methods because at the pros a lot of people like to keep simple but he likes to use various methods for continuation of development because these guys that come into the league, they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. They're still not fully developed. They have not ran through a full training program. They don't know what training is, right? They work out. Working out and training are two very different things. So he talks about that and it's great information, a fun talk, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Get ready, line them up, lock and load, get ready to go. Welcome to the Toes on the Line podcast. I'm your host, Gio Grassi. Today, I got my man, Isaiah Covington, who is the performance coach, sports performance coach with the Golden State Warriors and the head performance coach with the Santa Cruz Warriors. Zay, thanks for coming on. And is it cool if I call you Zay? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's cool. All right. That's how I like to keep it, man. I like to keep it funky, you know, uh, very uh, irrational. I don't, I don't like being too professional on this thing because this is just my zone, baby. Sure, sure. Um, but Hey, thanks for coming yeah, on, thank man. Thank you for having me, man. I'm really excited for this and, you know, I'm ready to get it started. Let's do it. Yeah, man, let's do it. And be honest, you're, you're the first basketball guy I'm bringing on here. So you're going to have to do uh, a lot of talking about how the NBA was, the G League was and stuff like that. Because I feel like no one knows anything about NBA strength coaches or basketball strength coaches at the professional level in general. 
uh, the lifestyle you guys live, the lifestyle of the players around you, the organization, um, and just the day-to-day operations because you guys play 82 games. Uh, you guys are basically all all out seven days a week for what, about seven months, eight months yep. of the year? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so, that, so that's heavier than football, which is four months if you don't make the playoffs, five if you do, which ain't that bad. Um, so yeah, uh, Zay, take some time, man. Just let us know how you got to where you're at now, yeah, for man. Sure. Yep. So I, um, I started out in undergrad, uh, you know, we're actually both fellow Hornets, but, uh, I went to Delaware state university, uh, got my undergrad in movement science, minor in coaching. And, um, it was there where I really got my first experience in the field, uh, for two years, just, uh, interning with the shrimp coach on campus, working with all the, I think 18 sports that we had. So, you know, it was a good opportunity f- for me to kind of just get my, my hands dirty, learn, you know, grind. And uh, from there, I kind of knew that I wanted to make this a, a true profession. So from there, I, I knew I needed to get a master's and I knew I still needed more experience. So I was able to uh, attend LIU Brooklyn um, and get my master's in uh, exercise science with a, a specialization in strength and conditioning nutrition. I was also able to serve as a graduate assistant in the sport performance department. So it was kind of like the best of both worlds in that sense. Um, you know, being able to practically learn. I had my own two teams when I got there. I worked with women's field hockey and lacrosse and uh, all the GAs assisted with basketball. That was the main sport. Um, so I did that for a year. And uh, out of nowhere, I was able to get an opportunity with Indiana Pacers uh, as a seasonal intern for the full season while finishing my second year of grad school online. And uh, it was really there where I was like, okay, yeah, I definitely want to stay in the league. You know, it was just, it was an awesome opportunity. I had a chance to work um, under Sean Wendell, you know, who's amazing, uh, still a mentor to me today. And, and the whole uh, medical staff, you know, they're um, class at organization. And uh, I just had a really, really great experience there. And um, which led me to where I am now with the Golden State Warriors organization uh, serving as the head performance coach, like you mentioned, for the Santa Cruz Warriors and assisting with Golden State and you know what that kind of looks like for six months out of the year from, I guess you could say, October to April. I'm uh, the head performance coach for Santa Cruz. And then uh, from April, I guess, to the following October, I am an assistant with Golden State. And uh, my first year was great. I had opportunity, you know, just to help out with the draft. Um, you know, when prospects came in, taking them through testing and things like that and being able to go to summer league and assist with training camp. Uh, so to still have an opportunity to learn while still running my own program down in Santa Cruz. So that's where I am. Uh, just wrapped up year two pre-COVID. And uh, so I'm going into my third year now with the organization and, um, you know, just trying to get better and better every year. That's dope, man, and, and it's it's pretty cool that you get to jump in with the uh, the Golden State boys as you guys get into the postseason. Because at the end of the day, sometimes <laughs> sometimes in basketball, the season's just too damn long, right. and then all that matters <laughs> is the postseason. You just show up when it's prime time, ready to go. A quick question: How the hell was COVID for you guys? Yeah, man, it was. I think early on, you know, just nobody knowing kind of what to do you know it was new to everybody so with the season abruptly ending you know it was just a lot of uncertainty for weeks you know and um especially when it first happened you know nobody really had no idea what was going to happen you know it was like that for almost maybe two months 
And then um, I think that second month is when we start trying to, you know, rally the guys. You know, I still had some some players in Santa Cruz. So obviously everybody was quarantining, but, you know, just, uh, you know, being able to give them training programs, you know, virtually and sending them supplements. And, you know, we still try to keep it going just because we really didn't know if and when it would start up again. So uh-huh. on our side, we just try to do as much as possible to be prepared for whatever scenario happened. But, uh, you know, it, it never ended up happening again until they, uh, I guess, made the whole bubble scenario in Orlando, which we weren't a part of. But uh, I guess, yeah, just overall, man, it was, you know, it was it, it was tough, man, just from, you know, even an emotional standpoint, you know, just that that uncertainty to not know, you know, what's happening, you know, in the world and then, you know, how it will affect our jobs. You know, it was definitely a. Uh, it was definitely tough, but, you know, it looks like it's kind of trying to come together now. You know, they did a good uh, job with the bubble and then allowing the teams that didn't go to the bubble, allowing them to uh, have their own mini camp in their own markets, you know, just because we have okay. played since March. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was a good opportunity. So uh, I guess, you know, we're still going through it, but, you know, I lead now yeah. is trying to, you know, figure out the best scenario to restart. So. It's been a yeah, long, what six almost six months. I'm definitely uh, ready just to kind of get back in that environment and you know uh, get back training. Yeah, definitely, man. So, man, hopefully, hope you know, hopefully everything starts up soon. You know, we're definitely looking forward for an NBA season next year sure. outside the bubble, man. Because I'll be honest, I was the type of guy that was texting all my boys and saying, "Man, listen." The bubble ain't it. The <laughs> right. bubble's not it, man. You need that crowd. You need it. You need to catch these guys slipping on the road, man. Because I tell you what, I, I thought it was too easy for some of them, some of them players in the right. <laughs> in the bubble, man. It's like, man. Sometimes, like I don't know about you, Zay, but like personally myself, I feed off of crowd noise. You know what I'm saying? Like, it gives you that extra edge, man. When you're at home and you know, you, you know, you might be the underdog, but you got the sixth man in the crowd right behind you and stuff. So. Man, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I just want to see. I want to see crowds back out there, man. But let's talk a little bit about your time at the G League, man. How was it? Um, you know, what are some things that you did? You focused on, and um, you know, how's your transition coming out of the G League when you start working with the uh, the pros out there in Golden State? In the G League, you know, just to kind of even give a little background for those who are not familiar, you know, so we play a fifty game season in five and a half months. Um, you know, it's uh, definitely a compressed schedule. Um, the, the G league teams are in some unique cities, you know, being there the two years I've seen and been to cities that I've never even heard of and st- even States as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a travel standpoint, you know, we, we fly commercial. Uh, so there's a lot of things that happen with that. You know, we have stops, we have delays, cancels, uh, red eyes, long bus rides. You know, we, uh, mm-hmm. One team we play is the Phoenix Suns G League team, but they're in Prescott Valley, Arizona, and we fly into Phoenix and we we have a bus ride from like for like two and a half hours to get Jeez. to get there. You know, so uh, <laughs> you know, that's definitely how that's definitely a G League for you. Um, yeah, you know, some teams that are in the Midwest, I know they take like they bus everywhere, so they they get the big sleeper buses and they bus everywhere. Um, one little quick story. It's funny. We were actually going to go play in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Mind you, before the G League, I never thought I'd even ever be in South Dakota. But, you know, the, the game of basketball takes you so many places. Yeah. Um, we uh, we were flying to uh, Sioux Falls. We had a stop in Denver. But it happened to be a blizzard that day. And Ooh. we, uh, you know, 
no uh, flights end up going out of Denver in, um, for the rest of that day, you know, so we were in the airport for hours and then they were able to accommodate us to a, with a, um, with a hotel. So we had to stay over, we had to stay overnight at a hotel about a couple minutes away, but mind you, all of, all of our bags and everything was still on the plane. So nobody had any bags, nobody had nothing. Oh, shoot. We, we, we had to stay over <laughs> in Denver and then get back up at 5 a.m. to catch like a 6.30 a.m. flight to get to South Dakota and still play that same night. Oh, they didn't even change the game schedule. No. Oh, that's tough, dude. Yes. <laughs> that sucks, man. Yeah, man. So, you know, that is that is definitely the G League for you. Um, from a roster standpoint, we have uh, 10 G League players that are, that are designated as strictly G League players. And then... Um, uh, we can have up to two two-way players. So what that means is the two-way players, they get to spend 45 days with the main club. And then out of the other 45 days, they're with the G League team. So uh, okay. it, they're usually pretty scattered, you know, just so they be able to save their days in the NBA, you know, if they're needed. Um, sometimes that happens on the day of the game. You know, I've seen, I've seen times where, you know, players are down in Santa Cruz and they're warming up and, you know, somebody may not be able to go in Golden State and, you know, because so, we're like an hour and a half away and it'll be like 5 p.m. And they'll call um, they'll call up a two way player, you know, to go play. So really, yes. that's crazy. Yep. And then uh, we also have assignment players. So those are players who are on the main club, but they can be assigned to Golden State. I mean, they can be assigned to Santa Cruz at any time. So okay. you typically you, tip, you typically see that happen, you know, with young guys, rookies, you know, maybe if it's a. Uh, a late lottery pick or, you know, uh, someone who's not really seeing much time with the main club, they, they may be assigned to the G League for a period of time. And it could be for a day, it can be weeks or it, it can be months, you know. So I guess the the, uh, the biggest thing and what they're really trying to brand is really all about development, you know. So, you know, uh, the players trying to develop these guys to get called up to an NBA team or try to go make some money overseas and then, uh, staff as well. You know, we're all trying to, you know, learn here, learn in the G League. And, you know, we all obviously want to be in the league as well. So just like how our players are growing and developing, we're trying to do the same thing. Um, and then, you know, even talking about uh, facilities and resources, you know, I think I'm in one of the better situations. You know, we have our own facility um, where we play and we have our own weight room, which is good as uh it's like the third year of the weight room. It used to be like a a big storage closet, but the year before I came, they were able to like convert that into a weight room. And you know, I pretty much have okay. every I have everything I need, man. You know, I can't even lie. It's a it's a really really great setup. Um, you know, there are teams who don't have their own facilities, so like you know, they train and work out at you know local YMCA's or gyms or um, you know just athletic centers. Um, so. Um, you know, I think my situation, I'm really, really fortunate to be in it, um, you know, and then also, like I said, being able to have those resources. We uh, last year, Golden State moved into a new uh, arena. So I was able to get like a lot of old their old equipment, too. So I got some Kaiser uh -huh. glued hands. <laughs> I say, yeah, that's what you need right there. Them glued hands, yep, brother. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, I pretty much have everything I need. And, you know, uh, you know, our team looks out for us, you know, so, you know, I'm able to do, uh, you know, pregame meals, postgame meals, um, buy nutrition stuff. So whether it's, you know, protein drinks or snacks or, you know, just whatever I can 
due to, you know, half of our guys. So, you know, they're feeling good and they're ready to perform on any given day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, that's, you know, in a nutshell, that is definitely the G League. Just um, I, you talked about it earlier, but, yeah, it's definitely a seven-day-a-week thing, you know. So, it's so yeah. many types of days. You got a, a home practice day and a away practice day, home game day, away game day, travel day, off day. And uh, even off day, that's strictly for the players. You know, you know, you've been in the pros, so off days, you know, we're still in there. Guys may come in for recovery or, you know, to get a lift or, you know, or even just a time for – us as coaches to get ready for the upcoming week or the next day. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely every day, um, long hours, but you know, it's fun at the end of the day, you know, we want to be here. Uh, so, um, in a nutshell, yeah, man, that's, that's definitely the G league for you. Uh, no, I hear that. And it definitely is a whole, you know, grind, man. Cause it is always for the players, everything that we do as coaches, but how's your, How's your off-season regiment look like? Like, what is what is a typical off-season length? Because I know in the NFL, when I was there, you have your OTA period, which is about, I want to say, four to six weeks when you include the mandatory minicamp for rookies and stuff. Um, and then you got this whole window where you're wide open until training camp starts. So how is that in the NBA? Yep. yep. And real or, or, the, or the G League as well. Yep. And even before I go there, you, you, made one part, you made one point when you talked about the grind. And our coaching staff, we always say the G League, that G stand for grind because it's definitely – There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a grind. So I wanted to point yeah. that out. But, uh, yeah, so as far as the offseason, uh, even speaking on the G League, that's the one interesting part because we don't have an offseason in the G League. You know, mm. so when I get guys, you know, when we start, so usually how, how we start off the season is, um, it will usually be in October, uh, middle of October, we will start kind of just bringing guys in who, uh, just for like a, I guess you can call it like a pre training camp period where we just do, we just doing workouts with guys and maybe about six or seven guys, um, you know, maybe guys from tryouts that we had or, you know, previous years, but, um, we would do we we would do that for about two weeks, and then we usually get a couple guys from the main club's training camp. Uh, so some okay. guys who didn't make the team and uh, will have their rights. So you know, if they want to play in the G League, it will be with us. Okay. Um, and then like yeah, so you got the you got the, you got the guys that come from camps, and you know we usually have like a a week long training camp, and then we're playing. You know, so there is no off season in the G League from a player standpoint and uh, I guess from a coaching standpoint, that's where it, you know, it kind of gets tough because you got so many different players coming from so many different backgrounds. So, you know, the whole thing for me, the first week is just trying to figure out what you've been doing, you know, cause yeah. you know, it's guys that been in China, guys that just coming from NBA training camps, guys who just coming from their couch, just to be honest. So, um, you know, trying to figure out, you know, where they've been and, how I can get them up to speed for training camp before the season because it's such a quick turnaround. Um, you know, that's uh, an area where sometimes it's tough. But a typical offseason in the NBA, so you don't make the playoffs. Uh-huh. You're usually done in mid-April. And then okay. from there, uh, training camp usually starts now in mid-September. Uh, so I know, you know, some guys, maybe, you know, veteran guys, you know, that's the time where they usually, you know, go away. You know, they don't usually stay in market. So some guys usually have their own trainers and um, development coaches where they go train. You know, I know most guys either go to you know Miami or L.A. or somewhere like that for the off yeah. season. 
some teams, you know, who are fortunate to play until June into the finals, you know, obviously their window of the offseason is a little bit shorter. But uh, one thing about the NBA is, um, you know, it's not really mandatory for guys to stay back, you know, unless you're a young guy where, you know, it's recommended, you know, if, if, if you're a rookie and you're just now coming back, you know, uh-huh. that, that could be a little bit different, but it's pretty much a big window of an offseason, you know, and uh, guys usually start coming back around, um, you know, late August, early September, you know, and guys will come in and, you know, start playing five on five, just kind of getting ready for training camp. But, uh, you know, mid, mid-September is when guys uh, had, had to be back mandatory, you know, so it's pretty much up okay. to them. I guess as coaches, we have some influence, you know, we recommend that, like I mentioned before, a guy stays back. But uh, normally, you know, it's really just up to them. Yeah. Now, how how is the um, – I don't want to say your fitness test, but how are, like, guys um, – I guess levels of fitness are when they come back in that August, September window for camp? Because I know sports like football, you can't really play unless you got pads on. I mean, you could run around and play flag all summer if you want, mm-hmm. and that might not improve your game. Basketball is the one game where you could play whenever you want. You don't need players around you to play. You could, you know, take your shots and make them there in practice. So – I'm just curious, like, what's your guys' uh, level of fitness like when they come back? Like, are they pretty much up to par? Um, are some guys down, some guys up? Is, is it more individual-based, depending on what they do? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely pretty much up to par. From my experiences, yeah. i never really seen, you know, it may have been a guy or two, but i never really seen guys come in out of shape, which is why I think, you know, guys play so much in the summer, you know, because yeah. that that's really the best – uh, way to, you know, um, look at the, these guys conditioning, you know, if they're playing, you know, that's, that's the best, uh, in, energy system development plan that they will get, you know, is from actually playing. And I think just playing the game. Yep. And I think that's why, uh, even when guys start to come back in August and early September, you know, we're just holding scrimmages, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with our guys and, um, you know, Maybe guys are getting ready to come to camp as well. You know, young guys, you know, they'll come in and they'll just play, you know. So they'll play, you know, five to six games a day. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Like a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So. Uh, what they play in the six, seven? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 That, that's the thing. They'll, they'll usually play about, you know, five to six games to like 11, you know. Okay. Uh, shoot, yeah. man. That's still crazy. Yeah, man. And, um, That's it. Now, real quick, I- interesting question I got for you. So in sports like soccer, they'll play like s- what's called short-sided games where they're playing like small 3v3, 4v4, 5v5. Do they do the same thing in ba- like in uh, basketball at that level to like improve some type of conditioning where you're playing short and quick games like half-court games or, yeah. or, it's just always, yeah. or is it always like a full-court scrimmage? Nah, I'm actually glad you brought that up. So um, they we definitely do small sided games. I've seen it in okay. all my stops in the NBA and especially for young guys who are not in a rotation, we actually do that in season a lot. Really? Yeah. Um uh-huh. Um That's dope. Especially in Indiana, we we did that a lot. You know, we had, you know, about four or five guys who weren't in the rotation and they would just play half court on game day. On game on day. On game day. On huh. game day, yeah. Um, you know, just so they can kind of get some stimulus like that. Um, okay. You know, from a basketball standpoint, since they're not really, they don't really play, you know, so they need to be prepared for if and when they're called upon, you know, to play, you know, in basketball or I guess in sports in general, you just got to be ready, 
You yeah. know, so coach doesn't want to hear. I, I got to get my legs up under me. I got to like you're expected to always be ready, which is why they do the small side of games. So I'm actually, I'm actually really glad that you brought that up. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've seen that a lot. And like, like, like I mentioned, they'll do like a half court, you know, three on three. Sometimes if we don't have enough players, we'll pull in some development coaches, you know. Okay. And they'll they'll just play a couple games, you know, four to five games to like eleven half court, and uh, go like that. So yeah, yeah, that was a really good point you made. Huh. You ever get in there with the guys or no? Nah. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've never played, but, you know, and uh, in the G League, you know, and I, I don't know if we'll get to that point, but, you know, you got to be able to wear so many different hats, man. So, you know, I'm yeah. a strength coach, nutritionist, and, you know, from time to time, I'll help out on the court, you know, because we have such a small staff. You know, we, we only we have a staff of maybe 10 or 11 total, but the traveling party, you know, is really just our head coach, three assistants, an ops guy, me and a trainer, um, hmm. but like, you know, seven people. And, uh, so, you know, it's times where I'm just needed on needed in practice, you know, even just to be a decoy to stand somewhere or, you know, run, you know, uh, walk through an action just to kind of, you know, help out where I can, or, you know, and obviously always rebounding, you know, everybody helps rebound. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm not the biggest basketball guy, but, you know, being, around it for three years, I've definitely uh, learned a lot uh, mentally and physically going through it. So. Now, that's dope, man. Yeah. Now, comparing that lifestyle from the G League, how was lifestyle in the NBA when you get there um, for like late season, postseason? Man, uh, man, it's the best, you know? So, yeah. you know, even from, you know, one, just the facilities, you know, like I mentioned, we have a nice facility, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a different level there. You know, and uh, like I mentioned, last year was the first year of the new facility. So, you know, we got all the nice shiny toys. It just looks nice. Um, you know, I don't really travel that much with them. Um, but, you know, even the travel is better. You know, they you know travel privately, private plane, you know, five star hotel, um, you know, per diem and everything like that. You know, so it's 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 really nice. Um, and then, you know, also, like like I mentioned, just being able to still learn, you know. So when I'm up there, I'm, we have three strength coaches. So when I'm there, you know, I'm, I'm the fourth strength coach. So okay. you're still being able to learn. And then also, you know, they still let me work with guys, you know, so I, uh, especially guys who've been in the G League. So, you know, I'm still kind of getting my hands dirty from that standpoint, um, you know, and we just, you know, that Golden State is such a great organization, you know, from 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 the coaching staff to the performance staff, you know, video guys, um, you know, front office, you know, it's really like a like like a family environment too. So, um, you know, it it is really a great situation. You know, I can't I can't speak enough about it. Um, and it's just you know, it's just a it's a winning culture, and I can feel it. You know, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, just having good guys in the locker room and, you know, that yeah. makes for success, you know, besides on the court and, you know, being there, being there with these veterans and these guys my last two years, like, you know, I, I just had an opportunity to really see how that can affect the team in a positive way. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's nothing like working with good guys. So, yeah, um, you know, it's not hear that, man. man. It's definitely great. You know, it makes it a lot easier too. <laughs> Yeah, and no, I bet it does because, you know, when the players are sold and the organizations behind everything that's going on, I feel like it's, it's easier on everyone's job versus, you know, when, when there's chaos and 
you know, disgruntled players. You're like, fuck, you got to make this guy happy. Yep. All with, with exactly. the coaches demanding X, Y, and Z from the GM because he doesn't have his players. And then this guy wants a new contract, you know? So yep, exactly. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like the Warriors are that one team where like oh, over this last, what, eight years, this last decade, like you don't hear nothing bad about them. It's just all good, great things coming out of there, you know? Right. Absolutely. That's pretty good, man. But real quick. So go back to the G League real quick. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know. This question just popped into my head. What's your player turnover rate like? Oh, is is yes, it high or yes. is it like? Oh man, I'm actually pretty glad, standard. Yeah, I'm really really glad you brought that up. So yeah, my first year in Santa Cruz, we didn't really have any call ups or anything. We had at you know what at the end of the season, our last week, our center got called up to the Atlanta Hawks, and then um oh, so guys can get called out to another team. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So yeah, that's pretty much how it works. So we um. Any player can get called up from any team at any moment. Um, okay. Usually starting in January, they start doing what they call 10-day contracts where a team will just call you up for 10 days. And then after that 10 days, they have the option to either give you another 10-day or, uh-huh. you know, or not. If they don't, then you'll come back to the G League. But if they do, you know, if they give you a second 10-day, then you'll get another 10-day. And after, after the second one, they can only sign you, you know, for the – they only give you a contract. You, you, you can't do three 10-days. Um, so that's how that mm. works. But yeah, uh, going back to my first year. So we had one call up and he ended up uh, getting a 10 day and a second 10 day. And then they end up keeping him. And then, uh, the day after our last game, we, we were in the Western conference finals in the G league, but we lost to the Rockets G league team. But our, uh, point guard, Kendrick Nunn, who's actually on the Miami heat now. I think, yeah, I must say, I know that name. Yeah. Yep. So he was with us in Santa Cruz his first year. And then he got called up to the Hawks at the end of the year. And, you know, so I'm happy to see him doing well, but that was pretty much all we had my first year. And I was surprised because we really had a lot of talent. Um, but you know, it's, you know, it's tough, you know, it's, I think what 28 G league teams and, you know, so many other teams with talent too. So, yeah, um, I guess like that. But last year, man, whoo! I, I never seen nothing like this, man. We had over, want to say, twenty two roster tr- transactions. Damn. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's that's the, you don't even hear about that shit. Like, yeah, the NFL I, don't even have twenty two roster transactions in a season, right, bro? I'm so I'm so <laughs> glad you actually brought this point up because um, I actually wanted to speak about this. Yeah, man, it was. I've never seen nothing like it, man. It was to the point where. I think it was like twice where we bought guys in on the day of the game. Like, wow, that, that's that's insane. Bro. <laughs> that just sounds insane. <laughs> so like, uh, remember I told you about uh, I, I talked about the whole Denver trip, right? Yeah. So I forgot to mention this part. So it's the it's it's the trick. This is the day of the trade deadline, and uh, so Golden State made a bunch of trades, and you know they traded away a lot of guys, and they needed some guys. So I think they they end up calling up three or four of our guys while we were at the airport. So these guys, these guys got a flight right back to San Francisco as soon as we landed in Denver and they was able to get out luckily. But so we only had five players, five or six players. So we ended up calling, calling up a player to Sioux Falls, like on that same day, you know, that next day when we got to South Dakota, we called him up and we played that game with, Seven people, six or seven people. <laughs> That's insane, man. <laughs> it was crazy. But yeah, man, last year I've never seen nothing like it. And then, you know, even our, uh, you know, we didn't really have a lot of our two-way players because, you know, it were, uh, we had a lot of injuries in Golden State last year. So they had to use our two-way guys. 
Um, same with our assignment guys, you know, uh, they were coming up and down. So yeah, mm. last year was definitely a season to remember from a roster st- uh, turnover standpoint, man. I, I've, I've never seen nothing like it. Yeah, no, that sounds insane, dude. <laughs> to having to sign guys the day of the game. Holy shit. Day of the game. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, that, that's insane. Cause like, I know in the NBA, I think I'm, from what I want, I mean, listen, I'm not a basketball genius. I play basketball. I never played organized, but from what I understand, one guy could take over a whole fucking game, bro. Right. Now, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if you signing a guy <laughs> the same day is a good or bad thing, but you've been there, you've witnessed it. How hard is it to play a game? Not even win a game, just play a game with a guy you signed on the same day. Man, it's tough. You know, I think that is no fucking chemistry. Yeah, I think from for everybody, you know, for me, it's like, you know, I don't even really know what to do with this guy. You know, I don't know. Like who- no one has a relationship with yeah, the guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what to do with him. You know, I you know, from a coaching from the coaching standpoint, you know, he doesn't really know any of our plays, any of our actions, you know. So it's I guess it's and it's tough on the player too, because once he gets here, he's just pulled from so many different people, you know. So our trainer has to get him evaluated and, you know, things like that, you know, make sure uh you know, I guess he's good from a physical standpoint. Everything is good. You know, mm-hmm. for me, you know, is I guess is you know finding out what things he have done. You know, how what what type of warm up do you usually do? What type of training do you usually do? You know, how does that work? Have you been training? Um, yeah, like I said, the coaches they're trying to uh, you know teach him to play, teach him the actions. Our front office is trying to make sure that he you know is checked into uh, his place to stay and. You know, everything. So it's, man, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot. And that happened, I think, two or three times this year. So, mm. yeah, man. That's crazy. That's tough, man. But going, going off that, like getting a new guy or, you know, getting a rookie, you know, flat out in general, um, what is, uh, put it like this, what are some flaws you see um, with these incoming players or basically like an incoming freshman kid coming out of college or high school for that matter, or some other league cross seas. What are the biggest flaws you think you see or notice um, in the weight room with these guys or just in movement patterns in general? Yep. Yeah. I think um, that's a great question. I think number one is, I think one of the flaws is, you know, I guess there's something that they will learn as they go on, but really just knowing their bodies, you know, mm-hmm. um, Sometimes these young guys, you know, they kind of go off, you know, they, they, just, they just go off instincts. They've been playing basketball all their life. But, you know, once you get to the professional level, I just think it's a it's a certain way you need to prepare. You need to know your body. So you can't just, you know, wake up and hoop, you know, once you get to this level. You know, you, uh, you know, if you need to go on the trainer's table and, you know, get some work on the table, you know, come into the weight room, you know, do your correctives, get really warm. Um, you know, do some self myofascial release, you know, and um, so I think maybe I wouldn't even say knowing their bodies. I, I guess I would say creating more of a habit. Um, okay. You know, because, you know, these guys come in at, you know, 18, 19, and, uh, you know, they, you know, especially, like I said, especially these, these uh, high profile guys who are one and done guys probably didn't do too much resistance training coming up. You know, they, they just hoop, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, maybe college was their first year ever really getting exposed to it. But, you know, to be honest, they're really only there for what, six months. 
you know, they play and basically they play and kind of get out of there. So, yeah, you know, uh, developing a consistent routine is something that they probably really never did, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll say that's number one. And that's where you, I think you see just a lot of those, uh, you know, those overuse type of injuries coming in with guys, you know, those, uh, those patella tendinitis injuries or, you know, things like that, just because they're not used to the, uh, you know, these type of loads and, you know, playing these many games and practicing, uh, practicing like that. So I always try to tell these guys, try to create a routine, you know? Um, so that's one, uh, I think two, I, I would even go into nutrition. Um, uh-huh. I always try to recommend, I know it's tougher at the G league level because guys don't make the most money, but, uh, you know, even trying to educate these guys in nutrition, is really a big piece for me uh, at, the, at the NBA level, you know, try to get guys to at least get chefs or, uh, you know, things like that. But in the G league, it's a little tough. So, you know, I try to get, I try to um, persuade these guys to at least, you know, look into like a meal delivery service or uh, helping them go shopping. We, the G league assigns us a nutritionist and she comes a couple of times throughout the year and like helps guys put together, uh, grocery lists or, you know, take guys shopping or make like a meal plan. But, you know, just, just try to get something to coincide with the training. You know, we both know that, you know, nutrition and training is like a 50-50 thing. You know, they work yeah. hand with each other. So, you know, a lot of these guys, just to be honest, you know, they just eat bullshit, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to educate these guys on that um, is a big piece. And then I would say lastly, really just, uh, you know, teaching these guys to be a 24 hour athlete, you know? So Mm -hmm. I know I mentioned that, you know, you can't just come in and hoop, you know, you gotta, you gotta get your body right, you know, to go on the court. But another thing too is, you know, um, what are you doing outside of practice? So, you know, are you, you know, uh, you know, using the recovery strategies that we have, you know, uh, icing or getting in the ice bath or getting in the Normatec boots or, you know, taking a band or a stretching strap home to, you know, do, do, do some stretching when you get home. Um, you know, it's, I just think a lot of these guys too need to take some initiative outside of the facility, you know, yeah. us, us as coaches are, are always going to push you, you know, and tell you what you need to do. But, you know, uh, I think players need to take some autonomy as well. And, um, you know, if you know that, no, I was trying to tell guys, you know, your body is how you make money, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, exactly. the, best, and the best ability is availability. So if you're not on the court Amen. because you're hurt or, um, you know, you're not feeling too well, then, you know, that can affect you in the long run or that can affect you getting, you know, how are you, you going to get a call up if you're not on the court? Or, you know, for the NBA guys, how are you going to get that next contract if you can't show that, you know, you can't get on the court or showing that you're making uh, making progressions, you know, with their body composition. So I say, yeah, those are the main three flaws that I would see in areas that I really try to, uh, hit home with the guys. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, you know, cause you know, I, I keep forgetting that when guys go to the NBA, most guys, they're still 19 or 20 years old where right. football, they're about 21, 22 when they get to the NFL. So they're pretty much a um, little, little more groomed into how to act, a certain, not act a certain way, and I'm not saying that a bad, bad way at all, but 
how to carry yourself as a professional a little bit more because these guys don't learn it much when they're in college. They're just playing, you know, get through the season, get to the draft, you know? For sure. Um, if you could just briefly talk about how does an NBA, like a guy like Steph Curry, Clay, you know, those big money guys out there in Golden State, how do the pros handle themselves like pros compared to a rookie coming in? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think for them, I think it's a, it's a thing of, you know, these guys have that championship mentality that I talked about earlier. So, yeah. you know, these guys kind of know what they need in order to be successful. You know, they they've done it. They've seen it happen. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, these guys just have certain habits that I've just never seen before. And it's, and it, and it's consistent. And I think that's why they're success, so successful. You know, all these guys have, you know, undeniable talent. You know, we all know that everybody knows that. But, you know, yeah. it, their their ability to, um, you know, pay attention to detail and have that precise routine that they follow. You know, I think that makes them even better. Uh, and compared to a young guy who, you know, really doesn't know, you know, they don't know that they need the weight room, you know, to, you know, stay healthy, stay, stay durable or resilient, or they don't know that nutrition can be an X factor in their body composition and affect them on the court. Um, you know, and even for, uh, working on their skills, you know, I've seen these guys really, you know, work for, you know, an extra hour after practice, just working on shots, you know, from different spots on the court, um, you know, so, you know, the, the process that these guys go through every day, you know, it, um, you know, I think it really helps them be successful. And, you know, for a, for a young guy, I think that's something that they just have to learn. But I think I like environments like this where, you know, these guys, uh, these veteran guys kind of lead by example, you know, so they may not mm-hmm. say, Oh, you know, you need to be doing this or doing that. They may, but you know, if you're a young guy and you see a step shooting for an extra hour after practice and then going into the weight room and lifting, you know, for 20 or 30 minutes and then going on a table and getting work and, you know, getting in the, uh, getting in the hydro tub or whatever. And then, you know, eating a meal, you know, you, you see this stuff happen every single day. It's just full circle. Yeah, exactly. full circle. And you know, these guys are the best in the world. So you kind of just kind of fall in line. Yeah. You know, you know, for for young guys who don't have that type of talent around them, you know, I, I'm interested to see, you know, how they kind of learn how to go about that. You know, um, yeah. You know, we can drill it all they want, all, all, all we want. But, you know, um, you know, for them to actually do it, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it is it is interesting to see how it happens. So, real quick, let, let's jump into the weight room because I know people are probably waiting for me to talk about this <laughs> <laughs> programming. Now, you don't have to talk about the meat and potatoes, you know, because I put pretty much I tell everyone this, man. Everyone squats, everyone does a pull up, everyone does the basic norms, right? Mm-hmm. But what what would you say is your biggest difference between um, training a uh, a guard and training a, a post player? Or what do, what do they call them in basketball? Do they call them like big and skilled? Or yeah, So, yeah, we usually call them smalls and bigs. So okay. your smalls would be your point guards, shooting guards, maybe a three, you know, wing. And then the bigs would be more of the uh, power forwards and centers. <coughs> uh, I guess I would say the biggest difference maybe um, in training is, you know, for – 
Well, I really, I guess I don't really train them in a different aspect, to be honest. I mean, each player has like an individual program, but, you know, if I were to do that, then I would probably train, you know, the guards, depending on who the athlete is, athlete is though. But I guess it would be maybe more explosive, more explosive training. So I'm real big on uh, potentiation circuits. You know, okay. I don't really have a lot of time with the guys. You know, and uh, during the season, you know, I want to I want to keep that explosiveness up, you know, so um, explosiveness, potentiation circuits, French contrast, you know, and just kind of keeping everything high intensity, low volume, whereas, you know, a big, you know, obviously needs to be strong to play in the post, you know, um, you know, so I'm trying to increase his max strength, but I'm also trying to increase too his you know, uh, strength, speed and speed strength, because, you know, as a big, you know, you're getting a lot of rebounds. So, you know, you got to be able to, you know, jump repeatedly as well. So yeah, he needs to be explosive as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but, you know, being able to get on and off the ground quick, you know, that's also a key, uh, you know, key quality. So, you know, that's why, you know, I say, I, I don't really train these, I don't really train them in a different matter, you know, I'm, okay. I'm I'm trying to get everybody stronger. You know, I'm trying to get everybody explosive explosive. You know, I, I like to work in, you know, deep ranges of motion, you know, depending on depending on where we are in that week as well. You know, so um yeah, sorry if I didn't answer exactly, but that's no, that's that's fine. It. And, and it's it's good that you dropped, you know, some of those con um concepts like the French contrast and stuff, because um I, I find it interesting that um, that you, you, you would use those methods at that level because I, I always thought that um, at a higher level, pe people kept it a little more basic because it's almost like you don't want to mess up the, uh, you don't want to mess up the quote unquote stack price of the stock, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. Um, yeah, for but that's sure. Good. It's, it's, it sounds like you're still trying to enhance qualities at that level. Yeah, it, yep, exactly. And, you know, like I mentioned too, you know, we, it's really hard to have a lot of time with these guys, you know, yeah. and um, that's why, you know, I'm so, uh, you know, I love these different specialized methods because, you know, of the time I have, you know, how can I get the best bang for my buck? You know, so, yeah. you know, if I'm doing the potentiation circuit, just for example, let's just say I'm doing like a, you know, a heavy trap bar deadlift. I may only do, you know, two to three reps, you know, of the trap bar and then, you know, maybe two jumps like that. And I would, mm -hmm. That's where I would do maybe pregame, you know. So I'm really big on pregame and postgame lifts as well, depending on who the athlete is, and um, okay. you know that. How how early is your uh, pregame lift compared to the time of the game? Yep. So we usually do it in groups. So our games are usually around seven o'clock. So okay. uh, the first group would be like the bigs. So they will come in from like five to five twenty. And oh then, shit! Okay. Yep. And then our next group would be you know the wings. So they will come at 5:30 and then our last okay. our last group is usually around 5:45 5:50 and that's the guards. So okay. At, at, after after they see me, they go onto the court with the player development coaches and they, you know, they go through their normal routine uh like that. So um but sometimes, you know, cuz it's a long gap, you know, with the bigs, they may come in, go on the court, but then they're kind of sit, sitting down for another hour. Okay. You no, know, because uh, they're already done. So sometimes those guys will come in right before they go out in the tunnel and come get a quick, um, you know, a quick lifting, you know, quick one or two sets of their work. But you know, it's 
is more so just to kind of turn a nervous system on. It's like an extended warm up. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, like a primer, right? Yeah, more. Yep, yep. So it's more so just just like a primer, you know. And like I mentioned, this is an example. I would do like a a trap bar, a jump, and a med ball slam just to kind of get these guys feeling explosive, feeling good, and you know, ready to go out there. And uh, that may be like one or two sets, and then. You know, I uh, last year I started doing like post game lifts. So if we have a day off the following day, I'll try to get as got as many guys as I can in there for the post game lift, you know, just so they can have that whole day off if they don't have to come in for treatment or anything. And we can really use that day for recovery. Um, so mm, it's, okay. it was pretty good. You know, I, I had a uh, I had a good turnout this year from it. Um, you know, that's something that I'm still, you know, just still looking to improve. And, you know, how, how can I make it better? Uh, it's tough because, you know, in the G League, it's, um, especially if we're on the road, you know, I don't really have access to a gym. So, you know, it's kind of hard to do it consistently. But if we're at home, you know, I try to get as much as I can, you know. And, um, you know, so just, just trying to find, you know, maximal adaptation with the least amount of stimulus. Yeah. Just try to try, trying to keep these guys fresh and peaking throughout the season. Nah, that's, that's dope, man. Just pepper it in while you can, right? Just Yep. Right there, right there when you can do it. Word, that's dope, man. Yep, and that's so, why so I real, think – I'm like, go ahead. No, no, yeah, yeah, you keep going. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. You know, I'm just a real big fan of, like, the micro-dosing method. You know, that's why I talked about okay. the, you know, the 15 to 30-minute sessions, and, you know, hopefully we, we can keep that consistent, Um, you know, because, you know, if you have a guy in there for 45 minutes and, you know, you train the shit out of him, he's not going to want to come back in, you know? Yeah. So if I can, um, you know, have these micro-dosing sessions and, you know, I'm – you know, really getting my best bang for my buck, depending on what we're doing, you know, the nine times out of 10, the guy's more likely to come back next day. So, yeah, and, and uh, they're not going to hate you for making them a little too sore. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's the biggest thing, man. Like, they will complain, man. Oh, man, I'm hurt. I, I'm sore. Oh, my shot messed up. They had me. Damn, my shot. Oh, you always hear that, man. I always hear that. <laughs> my legs feeling crazy. <laughs> now, let, let me ask you this question. Why do you why do you think this the like the stigma of um like players saying oh now I don't want to lift weights because it's gonna make a, mess up my shot oh I don't want to lift heavy because whatever's gonna slow me down like why do you think that exists with basketball yeah. why do you think people think that like basketball or like NBA players in general like don't train hard Yeah, I think one is you know I know a lot of these guys are superstitious like really you know yeah. So, I've seen like I've seen it happen where guys be like, oh, man, my shot was off. I was lifting too heavy. You know, like mm. a guy literally told me I was lifting too heavy and I was my shot was too strong. <laughs> you know, then I then, then I've also heard like back oh. it up, man. Shoot from the fucking half court. Right. Then, bro. <laughs> <laughs> then I've heard things like, oh, man, I had an orange Gatorade and my stomach was hurting and I, I didn't play right. You know, so, it's, mm. you know, it's I feel like, yeah. <laughs> You know, I get the superstitious part. You know, sometimes it kind of just feels like excuses for a bad performance. Uh, hey, like, real you know, quick. Sometimes it'd be like, hey, man, I was just off the <laughs> You know? I'm, hey, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm all in on that uh, Gatorade superstition because I feel like the orange Gatorade gives me the most juice, man. Yeah. I'm just, that's just me, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or that's dope. But, hey, Zay, man, appreciate you for coming on today, man. This was fun to share some great information, some stuff I never really – uh knew about so you pretty much educated me um on the g league and the nba system which is pretty dope man sounds like you know it, it sounds like what you guys do 
is far beyond what they talk about or what they think about NBA players and G League players go through on a day-to-day basis. So I appreciate you sharing all that stuff with us, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you so much for having me, Gio, man. This was this this was awesome. And, you know, I really appreciate it. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing you continue on with this uh, podcast and, you know, making it bigger and better. So, you know, I'm really appreciative for you having me on here. Nah, man. Thank you, man. You being the first basketball guy to break the ice, I think you uh, you pretty much set the standard for the next uh, guy that comes on. So, Absolutely. Um, real quick, last question before I let you go, man. If you weren't coaching right now, what other career would you be in? Oh, man. Great question. Um, probably uh, probably somewhere in the entrepreneur field. You know, that's I, st- I still think uh, in the strength and conditioning fitness realm, but, uh-huh. you know, I, I'll probably in the entrepreneur field. I don't know exactly what, you know, that is an area where, you know, I still want to, uh, eventually get to, you know, I know I won't be doing this forever, you know, yeah. being able to, uh, and I'm just real big on ownership myself, you know? So, um, that, that probably would be what I would be doing and I probably will be doing it years from now. So, you know, hopefully maybe a couple years from now, if we, uh, ever get back on, I may be even doing it. So, all right, so, yeah, so next time I get you on here, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship. My man. All right, Playboy. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Hey, Zay, uh, pre- hey, real quick, you're, you're, you live in Philly, right? Yep. All right, so now I got to drop another bomb question on you. Who's winning the NFC East, man? The Philadelphia Eagles, man. You think so? Yes, <laughs> and, we, and we will host a home playoff game and, and upset oh. whatever team that is. <laughs> this is my bold prediction. I'm predicting it right now. So yeah, when we oh man, when we do this, yeah yeah yeah, I hear Siri in the right. back. I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. So when we when we do that, we're glad to make sure we play this back. The division is definitely wide open. Yeah, man. But Zay, man, again, thank you for coming on, brother. And I appreciate everything, yes, man. Sir, brother, appreciate you.